of you. We're grateful you've joined us for another uh, Sunday evening together, and we are continuing the, our roundtable study of the book of Psalms. That, this study of Psalms will conclude later this month. Uh, we will re, next month, we intend to uh, do a sermon series, and we have not determined the topic yet for that, but we've only got a couple more weeks focused on the Psalms, and tonight we're going to be turning to Psalm chapter 111, if you will uh, join us there. Uh, the, tonight, Mingu's going to be helping direct our conversation and our study, so at this point, I'm going to turn it over to him. Okay, um, Psalm 111, okay, um, let's get into it. The first verse, uh, praise the Lord, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Okay, uh, I think this is the first section of this psalm and we, uh, there are some things that stands out to us from this verse. And also uh, we can uh, see some idea that is connected with our worship. So uh, would you talk about some you know, the, that the, stands out to the first thing that stands out to me here in this verse is that phrase, with my whole heart. Uh, that terminology is, is beautiful to me because it, 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 it infers that, that um, the psalmist is holding nothing back, that he's putting everything he's got into this. He's, uh, to use more modern terminology, he's all in or he's sold out. He, he is giving every ounce of his being uh, to the praise and to the worship of God here, and um, one thing that I found interesting that is not observable to our English eyes in this uh, particular psalm, but it, but it is built as an acrostic. The psalm itself is built as an acrostic. Every stanza begins with a, a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it goes in order. So there's some intent in how it's designed. And, and that whole concept, or that whole construct, I should say, using the, uh, each letter of the Hebrew alphabet kind of conveys this idea that the worship of the Lord, that the, the, the praise of the Lord is all-consuming, that every letter of the alphabet is being used here, lends itself to this idea that, that this is a consuming activity to be giving praise to the Lord, and the fact that it is with uh, his whole heart just emphasizes that fact that this is, uh, he's not sparing any, any part of himself in the worship of the Lord, and, and that stands out to me. Yeah, I also, I think all of us probably went straight to the whole heart phrase, and I think there's a lot of implications of what that phrase means to us today, uh, because David, or the psalmist, excuse me, in this psalm is saying, I worship the Lord, I praise the Lord with my whole heart. And like you're saying, uh, that's all-encompassing, right? That, that doesn't leave a, a little bit of, of heart saved for that, or a little bit of heart saved for that. It's his whole heart was given to the Lord here. And I think the question being today for us is, is that the way we worship? Do, do we worship God with all of our heart or is half of our heart elsewhere or is half of our heart worried about uh, something in our in our life or 
or something going on around us. And I think the question, and honestly, sometimes I think we have to be honest that instead of giving our whole heart in worship, we give our whole critique. And I, I want to talk about that for a second and what that means in our life. I'm guilty of this a lot, becoming a critic instead of a worshiper. It's easy to start critiquing the song leader or critiquing Kyle or critiquing the Lord's Supper comments or critiquing the prayer to the point that I'm not even worshiping anymore. I'm becoming this consumer. We've talked about that many times. Consumer versus contributor. And I think we have that challenge and that difficulty all the time when we worship. Because we, we, we do get into this going through the motions. I think you talked about that a little bit, uh, a little bit about that this morning. It's just going through the motions in worship and becoming this critic instead of a worshiper. And I think that's a challenge we all face and a challenge we all struggle with, especially when the song leader leads songs that we may not know. Song leader leads songs that we haven't heard before, and so I'm just going to sit this one out and wait till a song I know. Is that worshiping God with all of your heart? You have to answer that for yourself. I believe that we are to give everything we have regardless of if we know the song. Regardless of if we know the tune. Regardless of if we think we sound good or if we sound bad to the people around us. There are many people who don't feel comfortable singing. They don't want to, to sound bad or they don't want to be caught not being as perfect as everyone around them or perfectly in tune or whatever the case might be, but that's not worshiping God with your whole heart. Because that's what God's listening to, not your notes, not your tune, but He's listening to your heart. And a heart that's not singing is a heart that's not worshiping with the whole it's God. And so I think that's the challenge we have today in our life is answering the question, are we praising the Lord with our whole heart? the way the psalmist does in this psalm and the way we see throughout the scriptures? Or are we, are we reserving a little bit? I think it's definitely a challenge for the teens a lot to worship the Lord with your whole heart when you know there are people around you that might make fun of you or, or might think, uh, you know, wow, they, that person's loud or, or wow, that person is off tune. But the, the fact of the matter is we're worshiping God. We're worshiping God and God is a God who deserves all we got. Not just a little bit, not just some, not just sometimes, but all the time. He deserves all that we have. And so that's what I get from that, that, that phrase, wholehearted praise. Yeah, I think kind of building on what's been said so far, what I, what I kind of picked up off this passage was the comment right after, uh, with all my heart, in the company of the upright in the, and in the assembly. I think it's obviously exactly right. When God expects us, when, when God ex, uh, looks at our worship, He expects the whole heart, and that's what gives, you know, that's what He looks for in our worship. But what I found, found interesting from the psalmist in here, he says, praise the Lord. You know, that, that's the first thing. We're going to start there, praise the Lord. So this is, that's what we're talking about here. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. So that's the how. How does He give thanks? With all my heart. That's what y'all have been addressing. But the next comment, He starts addressing, okay, where? And that's what I found interesting. In the company of the upright and in the assembly. I think we understand that when we walk in this building, even though there's nothing special about this room, but we, hopefully we all understand that when we walk in here on the Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, God expects us to give our 100%, 20, you know, everything we've got, our whole heart, 
in giving thanks to him. But then I think we do ourselves a disservice when we walk outside of this building and we turn that switch off when we go to lunch. Or Monday as we're you know, getting ready for work and we're not th giving thanks. I think it's interesting that Psalm says, I'm going to give thanks with all my heart, but just around the, around the company of the upright and in the assembly. And so I think that's a challenge to us. That are, are we spending time giving thanks to other people outside of Sunday morning, 10 to 11, Sunday night, 6 to 7, Wednesday night, maybe throw in an extra Bible study once a week, right? When was the last time that we got together with our brothers and sisters outside this building? We got lunch, breakfast, you know, we, we got together at some point during the week and said, okay, we can catch up on sports, we can catch up on life, but let's spend some time in our meeting here. Let's spend some time just giving thanks to God together. And I think that's also what God expects. He expects our heart, absolutely. And then aside from that, it's the 24-7 nature. I'm gonna, he expects me to give my all here tonight when I praise him, when I lift my voice in song. And something as a personal challenge for me is maybe that means I need to change my daily habit. Instead of, don't laugh, instead of that podcast on the way to work, instead of the audio book when I'm walking my dog, maybe I need to have some, uh, maybe, I, I need, maybe I need to invite someone to go on the walk with me and talk with them about things. Or maybe I need to change the music I'm listening to, not because it's bad, but because maybe I could have better, more influential music. You know, I could go and listen to some acapella singing and give thanks and, and really praise God. I'm sure everybody at Bogan Park would love to see this guy walking down, you know, singing praise to God. Um, but I think that's a challenge for us, is when was the last time that we answered the call of verse 1, that we gave thanks to the Lord with all our heart, not only in the assembly, but in just the company of the, uh, company of the upright outside of here. And if that's not often, then maybe we need to change, maybe we need to do something about that, and I think I could answer that for sure. Um, can we worship God with all our heart in a wrong, I mean, in a wrong congregation? I don't think so. You know, if we are not in the right congregation, if we are not in the Lord's church, if we are not in the church of Christ, can we worship with all our heart? Can you, do you think so? I don't think so. You know, being in the church, being in the church of Christ, being in the Lord's church is the uh, basic foundation for us to worship with all our heart. We will not have any uh, uh, distraction from anything while we worship. If we are worshiping in a wrong you know, congregation, we will have all kinds of distraction from the worship. You know, I hear from people from, uh, uh, from denominational churches that they are competing each other and they are you know, arguing each other, even quarreling each other, even on Sundays, even on the Lord's Day. So how, how would they be able to worship with all their heart while they are uh, being surrounded by wrong people, unrighteous people, you know, unsaved people? So, so logically thinking, you know, for us to worship God with all our heart, we have to be in the church. We have to be surrounded by righteous brothers and sisters. And then we can worship with all our, all our heart. So I think that is uh, what's standing, I mean, that stands uh, out to me from this verse. 
After these words, uh, it, the psalmist gives us two reasons why we, uh, why he praises the Lord. The first reason is his works, God's works, and second reason is his precepts. And the first uh, reason about uh, God's works uh, is uh, in uh, verses two through uh, seven. Let me read it. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. Uh, so in this section, um, my, questions is, uh, my questions are, what is the significance of the expression studied in verse two? And also, what does his work reveal about him through our study of the works? And why is it important then to study the works of the Lord? That, that word, that reference to studying is, is quite interesting in this context uh, because we all, we all know what it means to study something because at some point in our lives we had to do it. doesn't mean we enjoyed it, but we had to do it. So when, when you talk about studying, you're, you're talking about diligent investigation. You're talking about intentional uh, intentional examination of something. You're talking about research. You're talking about investment of time and energy. You're talking about all these different components in order to obtain an understanding of or at least an appreciation of the information. And here in this text, in verse um, 2, great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. God's works are studied. How much time have you invested in the study of God's works? Do you think in that way? Because that's how the psalmist here thinks. And I think that's important for us to grasp that not only, not only are we to study God's words, but we are to study His works. And granted, you're going to study His works through His word, but think about it. The idea being presented here is that you're going to examine what God has done in the past. And why does that matter? Because what God has <clears throat> because knowing what God has done in the past affects how you look at the present and the future. Because God has proven through his works time and time again that he's reliable, that he is uh, gracious, that he is just that he is merciful and faithful. Those are term terms plucked right out of this section of the text. Because you study God's works, you study what he's done in the past so that you can understand what he's still going to do in the present and the future. And you can find great confidence in facing any situation when you know what God has done in the, in the past. I found it pretty interesting when I, when I was studying for this text. Um, Psalms 111 verse 2 is a, is a verse that's quoted 
Um, if you go to Cambridge, England, there's this really, pot, there's this really uh, famous laboratory there. It's called the Cavendish Laboratory. A lot of amazing kind of things have happened there throughout the past hundred years. And over the entrance to that laboratory is Psalms 111, verse 2. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. And, and just how, how much this verse was looked at and admired by the scientific community maybe a hundred years ago. Maybe we part, you know, parted ways with that a little bit. But just the, the ability that we as man, lo- looking at God's works, looking at the creation, looking at everything God has done, when we go to him and, that, and go answers to that, leading from there, I think there's a lot of amazing things that can happen. But I, I kind of looked at this passage in two different ways. Uh, and the first way being uh, the greater the works of the Lord. And the first thing that came to my mind when I, when I thought about the greater the works of the Lord, for some reason I thought about creation being one of the, you know, obviously one of his main works. And if you have that in mind, you read the text, all, all of that, uh, you know, all that still applies. But then if you apply maybe a different works of his, like, the, you know, his plan of salvation that he's been working since day one as well, you can see this text directly applies to kind of both of those in mind, works as in creation or works as in salvation. But what that reveals to me when we stop and, okay, when I study what God has provided for me, when I, okay, when I walk outside today and I look at the trees, right, my drive home today when I'm, when, I'm able, when I'm able to admire the beauty of North Georgia, right, I think about that God delights in beauty, that he didn't have to provide this type of setting for me, that tonight, you know, daylight savings time, maybe, we have longer days now? Yeah. Yes? Okay, okay. everybody goes, yes, Jay, okay. Um, I'm going to be able to, you know, we might be able to catch the sunset as we drive home tonight. And that's a touch of God's creation that wasn't necessary. He could just flip the switch daytime, nighttime, right? But I think in God's ultimate wisdom, we find, this, we find this moment of he provides us moments like that, that even though maybe it's not necessary, it's something that we get to appreciate each and every single day. And we can spend the rest of the roundtable talking about the things that he's provided for us in his works, in his creation. They're just beautiful. That serve no other purpose for us besides the fact for us to look up and go, wow, we serve a mighty, beautiful God. And so we see that, and I think down at uh, verse, um, let, me, let me try to find, uh, verse 6, he has made known to his people the power of his works and giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and justice. Oh, sorry, ver- top of verse 4, that's what I was looking for. He has made his wonders to be remembered. When I think about the works of the Lord, when I, when I put creation in that equation, that's one of the utmost incredible moments points of his creation is some of the points that we're getting to see at, some of the, the, the land that we get to admire and appreciate, has been there since the beginning. Maybe a little altered since the flood, but it's been there since the beginning, right? There's nothing like that that man's made. Our best attempt is something we still marvel at, the pyramids, but that's that one you know, abnormality that it's just there. But everything that God has made was made from the beginning, and it's still there for us today, still working in perfect unison there. And so we look at that, and then we, we, if, if you do the other way, and you look at works as salvation, and in verse 7 you see maybe that's more like it, the works of his hands are truth and justice. We see that again, that everything that he's created from the beginning had me in mind. And what a humbling thing that is, that at the dawn of time, when his hands are forming the earth, when he's putting life in the nostrils of Adam, he's setting up the dominoes to fall so that I could find grace in his eyes. And that's just, I'll never comprehend that, but I'm going to try to the rest of my life, you know. 
So it's an amazing passage. I'm glad we chose this tonight, Mingu. That's the thing about studying. Uh, I think Kyle was hitting on this a little bit. I want to do a little bit more. Just because you study something doesn't mean you learn it. Mm. Doesn't mean you uh, uh, master it. Uh, and that's true in, in education. I don't know if you've ever tried to study something, study a subject, study uh, some, some type of thing in academia, and you just cannot get a grasp on it. Uh, some people are more challenged than others. Uh, in honors physics, there were certain things that I, no matter how much I put into it in high school, no matter how much work, how many conversations I had with my brothers who are engineers, no matter what I did, it just didn't make sense. I mean, what are we talking about, right? It's just beyond me sometimes in that class I took. And we've all probably taken classes like that where we're just simply above our pay grade, right? We're just above our ability to comprehend and understand. And that's the thing about study. You can study something your entire life and never get it and never understand it, never comprehend it. And I definitely believe God is one of those studies that we'll never understand. We'll never be able to comprehend. Why? Well, because we're finite. That's the very definition of finite. Not being able to be infinite. God is infinite. God is omniscient, omnipotent. All the different omnis we talked about a few weeks ago, right? God is so far above us that there's no way that we can understand Him. I remember David Shannon saying one time, if God was someone I could understand, then that would make Him not God. If God was somebody that we could understand and we could fully comprehend, then He wouldn't be God. And I think that's the power in this text, is that studied by all who have pleasured in Him are the works of the Lord. The works of the Lord are great, they're studied, and they will continue to be studied. Hopefully, as Kyle's saying, by us today. Hopefully by each and every one of us, we will study the great works that the Lord has done in our life and marvel at them. I do think the psalmist, even though he might not have a full understanding of the greatness of the Lord, he does a pretty good job at describing it, doesn't he? I mean, look what he says about the Lord. He calls Him honorable, he calls him just, he calls him gracious, he calls him compassionate, he calls him glorious, righteous, benevolent, truth, memorable, all these different things that he says in the text are amazing descriptors of the Lord, but guess what? There's not enough paper in the world to write down the descriptions of God. Because God is never ending. He's everlasting. And His greatness cannot be measured. That's the thing about infinite power, infinite knowledge, infinite everything, is it cannot be limited to description. And I think that's what's so great about our God in this psalm tonight, is that when we think about that, I think, Mingo, you asked the question, why is it good to study the works of the Lord? I think it's important for us in our life to study these works of the Lord, because so much of us so many of us are consumed by the works of the world. So many of us are so sidetracked and so not focused 
on God. We see different things going on in the world. We see our wallets getting hit every day with different things in our economy. We see uh, war raging throughout the world and all these different things. And we forget that God is the one that is in control. We forget to think about the works of God and we begin to think about only the works of men around us. We begin to think about only the people who have failed us, the people that have not done right by us, and we begin to lose sight of the great works of the Lord. Do you think this psalmist had things to complain about? Every person who's ever lived has had things to complain about. This psalmist could have spent the psalm talking about the woes of the world, how the world is wicked and the world is evil and there's nothing good in the world. And that might be true. But instead, he chose to talk about the good works of God. I think that's why it's important to talk about the good works of God because when we stop thinking about the world, we are blessed because what's left is God. And what's left in God is infinite grace, infinite mercy, infinite forgiveness, infinite all these different things, all these things he's talking about. That's why the works of God are so amazing. And that's why they deserve our attention, and that's why the psalmist is talking about them right here. And I, I, I just want to challenge each of us to think about what we let our time be consumed by. What do we consume our thoughts with? What do we consume our time and our energy and our focus and our worry and our concern and all those different things? If it's something earthly, then we're missing a great opportunity in our lives. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Jesus said that. I think that's what the psalmist is doing. Instead of talking about the horrors of the world, he's talking about the greatness of God, and I think that's why he could go on for days and days writing about the goodness of God, and I hope we could too. Okay. Um... I really uh, loved the, uh, Dr. McLaurin's uh, first lesson, you know, on Friday night, and he was talking about our first foundation before we uh, go and do and everything. So I think this psalm is also talking about that, you know, as we need to do something in God's will, first thing we have to do, uh, lay uh, first thing we have to lay uh, as our foundation is to know him, who he is, and uh, for whom we are working, for whom uh, we are worshiping. So, and this works, his works reveal who he is. That's why we have to study uh, about his works, and that's why we have to remember what he did. And just before we go on, let me just read the things that uh, we can uh, know about God from his works, uh, according to this you know, scripture. Uh, splendor, majesty, righteousness, and uh, you know, gracious, merciful, and provides food, 
and uh, he remembers his covenant forever, and and uh, you know his power, and he's giving us or you know, his people the inheritance of the nations, and his the works of his hands are faithful and just. All good things. His works show us how good he is, how excellent he is, and his works tells us that he is trustworthy. He is the God that we have to, you know, serve and we have to rely on. And then he gives us another reason to praise him, and it is his precepts. Uh, it's from uh, chapter, uh, verse 7, the second uh, verse. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice them have a good understanding. Guys, uh, this verse is talking, I mean, this section is talking about the precept of God and what is the significance of keeping God's precepts in relation with what we talked about, his works? And what is the covenant between God and his people, basically? What do you think? You know, when I think about all the blessings that God gives us and the things that the psalmist talks about, perhaps one of the greatest blessings is the blessing of a covenant is the blessing of commandments and precepts. And that's weird to look at it that way, isn't it? A lot of times we look at commandments as burdens. We look at precepts as burdens and, and different things we have to do. And, and unless, if, if we don't do them, then you know, we are in trouble or we are condemned or we do, we, we've done wrong and stuff like that. So it's, it's weird for us to look at them as blessings. But you've got to understand the way this started out for the Israelites. When God chose Abraham to be the chosen nation, to be the chosen seed, what a tremendous blessing. Out of all the people in all the earth, He chose Abraham. He chose His people. And He gave them a covenant in the time of Moses. He allowed them, think of it that way, He allowed them to have a relationship with Him. He allowed them to have a covenant, to have precepts, to have commandments to follow so that they could get to know Him and get to be His children and His followers. So when I think about one of the greatest blessings we've ever been given, whether you're in the Old Testament been given the law of Moses or in the New Testament given the law of Christ, the greatest blessing is the blessing of a covenant. We have been blessed and been given this chance, this opportunity to be followers of God. To have a certain way that we can talk to Him, that we can go to Him, that we can be with Him one day. There is no greater blessing than that. It's great if God gives food to the hungry and, and declares His works to all the people and He is righteous and He is honorable and He is glorious, but it's even better when He allows us to be those things. When through the covenant, He allows us to be honorable, us to be righteous, us to be true and just, and all the different things that are descriptors of God in this text. 
How amazing is it that we get a chance to do that? And the only way we do that is through the covenant. So when I think about the the progression of this text, I think he's leading up to this idea of the ultimate blessing being the covenant. The chance that we get to be followers of God and follow Him, that's the biggest blessing of all. That we who fail, we who sin, we who come short and fall short of the glory of God are still able. It's it's this idea of Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You go back to Romans 5 and verse 8, God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's the idea of the covenant. Even though we deserve something else, we've been given this opportunity to do this. And instead of looking at it as a burden, I think the psalmist is looking at a covenant as a blessing. And just thinking about the the covenant that they have versus the covenant that we have, I think all of us can understand that one was way more burdensome. That one was way more meritorious. Ours is simply built on grace and obedience. What a beautiful thing it is to look at the covenant and look at the biggest blessing we've been given is that covenant. When I read this passage, I think about that first comment at the end of verse 7. All his precepts are are sure or or trustworthy. And I think about all... I think about the precepts or the commandments in my life that sometimes I wish weren't there. <laughs> As a Christian, that, Lord, why did you make me, why, why, is, why do I have to do this? Lord, why is it that you want me to do this? Lord, why, why am I able not to do this? And I'm reminded of Leviticus and all the laws that God gave to his people that at the time, to them, didn't make any sense. Rights of cleanliness, rights of living, rights of eating, that for the, at the time don't make any sense to them, seem a little bit maybe extra burden at the time, but what God is doing is saying, listen, I understand this system. I know what I'm doing and I'm helping you. I'm putting these laws on your life and even though you don't see the wisdom in them yet, I'm going to give you these laws and you're going to have a better life because of that. And we talked we talk about that in the round table. I remember, Kyle, you, you um, brought this up maybe a year ago when it comes to all the laws that God gave to his people about eating and stuff like that that wasn't just for them to miss out on bacon, it's because they weren't able to cook it right yet, you know, and stuff that we've talked about before. And so there are laws in my life now that, Lord, I, you know, I wish maybe that wasn't the case, or Lord, I wish that this is too much for me to handle this. Why does it have to be this way? Why can't it be that way? Why can't I enjoy that? It's whatever it may be. But God's laws are trustworthy. His ways are above my ways. His thoughts are above my thoughts, the psalmist would, would say later on. And so when I have commandments or expectations on my life that maybe I just deem too hard, or maybe I seem too harsh, well, one, I'm his slave, I'm his servant, I have no choice in them. But two, I've got to rely on the fact that he's in control. The creator has set these commandments. Even though they may not, they may not make sense to me, well, that's about right. A lot of stuff doesn't make sense to me. So maybe I'm just not seeing the wisdom in what God is asking for me to do in that, that point in my life. And so that's what I'm thankful for tonight. That's a great reason to, in, in the covenant, but also in the fact that I know that the master I'm serving is never going to ask of me, is never going to ask something of me that doesn't make sense. It may not make sense to me, but in the, in the end game, in the end goal here, 
it's always going to be driving me closer to Him, spending eternity with Him. And so I, I'm so grateful that I don't have to second guess what, what, what the wisdom above me is coming from. When someone asks me something, I don't, I, I don't have to second guess the second motive, second motive or the reason behind it. If it's from God, then I can trust in that. And I know that's what's best for me in my life from now and as the psalmist would say, forever and ever. One last thought. The significance to me of this relationship, this uh, relationship between the, 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 or I should say, of, of keeping God's precepts is that there's a relationship back to his works. The precepts came after he proved himself to his people. His works, getting them out of Egypt, leading them through the wilderness, taking care of their every need, and then we get to Sinai. And then he puts forward these precepts. In other words, the precepts are our response or were his people's response to what he had already done for them. And so think about Jesus saying to us, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's a call uh, to precepts. But it comes after John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God's works happen first. His precepts are our response to what he's done. Keeping his precepts are our response to, to what he's already done for us. So I think there's a significant relationship there between the works and the precepts. I like that idea. And if I say something about... Uh, you know, the, the last verse, I mean, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and all those who practice them have a good understanding. I mean, like, uh, you know, brother say, said already, the wisest thing is to keep God's commandments. And, you know, even if we don't understand why God commanded such things, why we have to love our brothers as Jesus loved us. I mean, we may not understand fully the reason why Jesus gave that commandment to us, but if we do that, that is our understanding, that is our wisdom, and that is the, uh, the best way for us to get God's blessing. And there is no other wisdom than that. There is no other uh, better wisdom than that just to keep commandments of God. And we will be in his, we will be in his congregation. We will be uh, one of his people, and he will protect us, and he will provide uh, us, and he will bless us with everything that we need. So the greatest wisdom, greatest understanding, is getting at the conclusion that oh, I will keep his commandments no matter what. That's the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes. Fear God and keep his commandments. You know, the Solomon, the uh, Kohalat, the, the wise guy, Solomon searched everything, searched every wisdom in this world, and his conclusion was this. Fear God and keep his commandments. So if we accept this, if we admit this in our heart and do this, what will be the wisest person in this world, and it will be uh, forever and ever. So uh, we uh, had a great uh, study, and we have the last verse left. 
His praise endures forever. He concludes uh, repeating uh, the praise, uh, praising word to the Lord again. So uh, what is your a big takeaway from this psalm before we conclude? For me, it's that God has proven himself time and time again. Therefore, there's, there's no reason for us not to obey him. He, he's, he's proven himself to be faithful. He's faithful even when we're faithless, as we're told in the New Testament. And, and so, since he's proven himself, our response should be to be obedient. I think about what we have been given. Uh, Jesus said, to whom much is given, much will be required. And I think about reading the psalm and, and seeing all the blessings that God has, has given and has poured out on man, whether it be all his wondrous works, or whether it be his covenant, his commandments, his precepts. And I see that God has given all. God gave all he could to man. Not just some of it. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says we've been given all spiritual blessings through Christ. Not some. God gave us everything he could. He gave us his son. He gave us a covenant. He gave us love. He gave us grace, mercy, truth. All the different things we've talked about tonight. His mighty, his mighty works are un, indescribable. And he gave them all to us. And so my takeaway is I better give all I got. I better give all I have as well. Because God, who is infinite, giving me everything he has, I am who am finite, better give everything I got. And that's how the, the psalm starts, with us giving our whole heart in worship. I think that's how it should end, with us giving our whole lives in worship, in our Christian everyday life, in our walk with Christ. God gave it all, so I better. You know, I see this psalm kind of written out almost like an if-then type statement. He starts off, like you said, praise the Lord. And then through that, he gives two good reasons, two huge reasons on why to do that. First, because of his mighty works, right? And then he, look how he says that, verse 3, and his righteousness endures forever. So if he's willing, you know, if he should be prayed for his works and they endure forever, if his precepts are sure and they're going to be upheld forever and ever, he says, then what's the, what's the equation, what's the answer to that? Then his praise endures forever and ever. And that's how he kind of ends that. So I, I like the, you know, the, if this is the case, then that means this. If this is the case, then it all ends up by saying, you know, we need to praise the Lord for these reasons. And those things are eternal reasons. Therefore, the praise should reign forever. And so, I mean, pretty much what Ben just said, if I'm a small piece of, in that. I'm a small figure living in his mighty works. I'm a small figure living in his, trying to um, uphold his mighty commands. And I, I think he expects that praise from me from, from dawn till dusk, right? For at, all, at all moments, 24-7, and the, the time that I do have. Yeah, I, I am really happy that I am in the marriage covenant with my wife. You know, the co being in a covenant uh, with somebody uh, who can give me the love and what, you know, the delights and happiness, it's a great blessing. But much more than that, much greater than that, is uh, being in the covenant with God. You know, as Ben said, being in the relationship with God. But we have to 
keep his commandments. We have to make the covenant, uh, we have to accept the covenant with God for us to be in the covenant, to be in the relationship. And now we have to accept Jesus, his gospel. We have to obey his gospel for us to be in the relationship with God and with Jesus Christ and uh, to be in the covenant that gives us all delights and all glory and all you know, honor in the end. So my takeaway is just you know, uh, praising God uh, who called me to be in the covenant. And I would like to share it with uh, someone here who have not come into the covenant, have not come into the relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Tonight is the earliest chance for you to, to do that. So why, why, why don't you do that? Then, you know, that is my takeaway. And I would like to uh, ask Brother Ben to uh, say a prayer to conclude this study. Let's pray. Our God and our eternal Father in heaven, we come before your throne tonight as a congregation uh, bowing before your throne. Uh, you are great. You are uh, eternal, and you, you are our God. You are our Father. You protect us, and you provide for us, and you, you, you love us above all. And we thank you for that, and we pray that we'll always come before your throne with thanksgiving in our hearts for the ways that you bless us and the ways that you uh, provide for us, Lord. We're a blessed people and a blessed nation, a blessed congregation, and uh, we pray that we'll always give you the glory for the ways that you take care of us each and every day. We pray that you be with those struggling in the congregation, whether it be from uh, physical illness, whether it be from spiritual ones. We pray that you bless them and uh, convict them, if it is spiritual, to... Uh, rededicate themselves to you, uh, rededicate themselves to the church, your body. We pray that you be with this congregation as we try to do things uh, and try to be effective in this community. Help us to do everything according to your will and so that you'll be glorified. We pray that uh, you bless the elders, the shepherds who look over us. We pray that you would give them wisdom, give them vision. Give them strength and courage as they lead us each and every day. Lord, we thank you for the Psalms and how powerful they are today and in our lives, the way they express things uh, that we try to express but come short on. We thank you for the Psalms, this study that we've had as a roundtable, and we pray that tonight as we, we look to your greatness of your works, and the greatness of your word and your commandments and precepts, that we will submit wholly to them that we will give over our lives and over our wills, over our selves, and give us all to you. Pray that everyone will be convicted and challenged by these words tonight and apply them each and every moment this week. Bring us back, Lord, to the next appointed time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.